This is the Better Life, Better Work Show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm a life and self-leadership coach for authentic and ambitious small business owners and professionals. I show up here in your ears as a transparent leader doing the same inner and outer work that you are. I'm here to remind you that you're probably a gardener and not a machine and that soft, sustainable and soulful success is actually available to you on your own terms. Emotional presence and wellness are also available to you as someone who juggles both an amazing business and a beautiful life. I'm here to remind you that more is not better, better is better. Hey, hey, hey. This is Allison Crow and Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is episode number 176 of the Better Life, Better Work show. And I one of my favorite unfuckery guests here and <laughs> let me tell y'all she has on her website you know how everybody has on her websites we're going to be talking about leadership trauma and um i have my own version of what leadership trauma was because i experienced it and karen has a different concept mm. hypothesis that she's going to share with us um we'll get to that in a second we have a couple of other things to talk about um, one is both we have curly hair and we'll probably get that too. Yeah, um, I've got something going on. With I know you just pulled yours down. I was like, I, I can't decide if I should put it up or just yeah. go wild this morning. Yeah. The other thing is on your website, you know how everybody is like, I work with this company and this company as seen on and Karen says, <laughs> I just think this is the most brilliant thing. I think I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the podcast picture and it says like, I've helped people unfuck from the various corporations. Yeah. And I kind of want to add, even though you, you didn't help me specifically unfuck from the corporation I worked with, um, I did have a lot of post-corporate trauma to undo without saying, screw the corporation, like take the good stuff and the bad stuff. Right. So uh, Karen Goldfinger Baker is a fellow fuck sayer. She's an executive leadership coach. She is the host of the Trauma Hiders Club. And we're talking about leadership trauma today. So is there anything else you want to introduce yourself with around? Um, yeah. Pay no attention to the hair. Um, it's, I don't, it seems to have a mind of its own right now. Um, what else I want to say is... Um, yes, I'm an executive and leadership coach. My podcast, The Trauma Hiders Club, had its one-year podiversary yesterday, meaning that it has been a live show, not a live, not live, it's recorded, but it's been out there in the podiverse uh, for a year, and show 62 launched on Thursday, um, and... It has been a surprising joy in my life and a surprising link to um, to my people who are in corporate America. You work with a lot of executives at companies, and I work with a lot of either former company people, but small business owners. And so we mm. both do deep um, emotional work with people who are in the business world 
of yes. one way or another. Um, let me, before we get started, I'm going to turn the tables on you because you always ask all of your guests, what are you hiding most right now? So I'm going to steal from the Trauma Hiders Club podcast and ask you your own question. Yeah. What are you hiding most right now? Um, I'm hiding most right now two things. One is, um, I'm probably not even hiding it well. I, my hair is making me nuts. Um, so that's you can one put thing. it back up in your bun. Yeah, I'm I think I'm going to have to. Um, whatever you want to do to feel comfortable yeah. and cute. Yeah. Because so we are gonna, on video. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm looking at myself and um, like part of me, this is, I think part, this is actually a good sort of conversation about this. Yeah. Part of me is saying like, you know, just let it all be. Oh, that's Here. much better. Let me do this with you. <laughs> Let's just I do just, this. Together. I made a bad bun, but you know what? The hell with it. Look, let's do it together. Yeah. I can't take my headphones off though, because I can't hear. You don't need to. Yeah. But let me just we'll just this is the this is this is uh easy curly mode and let me squeeze back. Oh, that's yeah. as far low as I can go. Okay. Okay. Look, Here, there. I can I can put us there. Oh, look, there we, there go. we go. Oh, okay. Perfect. So one, <laughs> I've just solved the hair issue. Um two. The thing that I'm hiding is um, this concept of leadership trauma and Mm -hmm. that I flip back and forth on what I believe it to be. And I've come to a place where it's an and, an and both. And so if I sound, um, if I sound flimsy in either way, it's because um, I'm still noticing how it lands and what it is. So I'm, yeah, that's what I'm hiding. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not a fucking expert in leadership trauma. It's something that I have observed and I decided to call it that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I came from, <clears throat> and when I say I came from like my first experience in anything corporate, I mean, I had some, like I was a data entry person, but you know, I'm talking about like real in it was I I never planned to be in business and I got into <laughs> I got into I didn't notice that real estate. <laughs> Those of you who are listening to the podcast, we're we are both <laughs> fidgeting with our looks and it's hilarious. Maybe it's because it's Saturday morning, but as early we just decided I to be in charge. So it's all good. Yeah. But yeah. this is here's what I love, right? Like my experience was the leadership was all so perfect. And what I really take away from what you're saying, like, I'm going to cry. I feel you willing to be in the hypothesis. And something I do with my clients all the time, but I feel very alone in that as a leader. And so just to hear you and know that you're working with people in these ideas and like, we don't have to have the seven step program or have, this is the thing. There's permission to change our mind down the road. Like we're, we're scientists right we're in the the um, scientific method and we have a hypothesis and we gather information and we're studying and we're sharing ideas and we're willing to say oh I've changed my idea on this or both and and to me I call that transparent leadership and I'm all for it so yeah. tell us about um, what leadership trauma is meaning to you at least today on yeah. June 18th yeah so I'm gonna start with what I first called leadership trauma. And by the way, I wasn't the first one to call it that. However, when I Googled that shit, 
um, using my definition or even my keywords, I came up with one source, only mm-hmm. one. Hmm. Um, and I actually don't remember the man's name and I've reached out to him and we have yet to connect. Um, yeah. So I have a whole story about that, but I'll leave that. <laughs> that would be too much of a peek inside my brain. Um, okay. So what I identified as leadership trauma is the following. Um, I work, not only do I work with people like within very established, thriving companies, but I also work with founders mm-hmm. um, who are pretty far along, like preparing for their IPO, um, mm-hmm. several rounds of funding, established companies. Um, and I noticed this, that there is a trauma, what I was calling a trauma loop that plays over and over inside the head of founders. And that is that loop, the voice of the loop says, I might fail. I might be a failure. I might fail my family. I might fail my employees. I might fail my customers. I might fail my vendors. I, the whole, this whole thing could fail. And that's the shit that keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. So the, where I had, and, and I'll just go a bit deeper. It lands mm-hmm. in the central nervous system the very same way that trauma lands in the central nervous system. And when I say trauma, I'm going to define it as too much, too soon, too early. Well, too much, too soon, too early sounds like the same thing, but too much, too soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be anything. It's just too much too soon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask, how does it, how does it, I know you have some trauma informed training as a coach too, yeah. right? So that word is out there a lot, but you've actually been through some certification or training. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. my question was, um, and I, and I hear you're too much too soon, too early, is there anything else around the distinguishment to distinguish it from just stress or overthinking? Yeah. 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 Um, yes. And that is that there is a body experience yep. and a central nervous system yep. or autonomic nervous system response, fight, flight, fawn, fear. Any one of those. Fawn might be new to people. So I'm just, it might not, but I'm just going to put it out there. Fawning yeah. is where um, we are overly uh, okay, overly like, <laughs> I got this and I've got you and let me make it better for you. And mm-hmm. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up being so totally okay that it's wonky and fucking weird and you're not and it's obvious but you think like that's you telling yourself it's all good Mm -hmm. yeah that's funny um i have one called frothing it's and i like your way of putting it um overly and and this is not scientific it's my made-up version um so yours if fawning and i've heard of fawning in the science context is overly okay a lot of my clients fawn people pleasers recovering overachievers um 
codependent. I use all those terms with so much love, not diagnosis, but overly okay. Um, Frothing is overly not okay. And so it came about as a friend who was standing in the shit of her dad dying. And she would just rise up into all this drama that might, that was too much for me. (laughs) And so I was like, you're standing in the shit. But now you're picking it up and smearing it all over your place. <laughs> like uh, you're creating a froth out of the shit. And so, yeah. yeah. Frothing. Yeah. Frothing. Huh. Okay. I hear it. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. So go back okay. to, so you're, okay. you're people fawn. So, well, my people well, do you were it explaining fawn. Yeah. Yeah. Your yeah I was explaining fawning. So trauma lands in the body in any one of those ways. In addition to all the other stuff that in the other ways we are impacted by trauma, right? We start to tell stories. We start to feel damaged, broken, filthy, like a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. All of those things. I have a theory that this future-focused fear, Mm -hmm. the body doesn't know that it didn't happen. Of course. So the body believes that that, impact right when we say impact it's a thing that Mm -hmm. is crashing into a thing that that impact actually did happen Mm -hmm. so it's but it didn't happen right it didn't happen they didn't fail they did they have not failed and i don't want to say when you're playing it over and over in your head and in your body somatically that stuff builds up and then when you get in in war with your head, so you have, you know, we do this in IFS, you have parts that are like, everything's fine. They're like, no, they're not. And then these parts, so you're literally having a mental war in your head that drips down into your body. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So why I'm calling it leadership trauma Mm -hmm. is because, well, I guess for me, I saw it in the very, I see it in the Mm -hmm. founders that I work with. And why I think it's different than anxiety or stress Mm -hmm. is because, (laughs) and this is a very simple, totally not scientific reason, um, is because like uh, no amount of meditation, bike riding, orgasm, Mm -hmm. artwork, Mm -hmm. walks in the woods, take Mm -hmm. it away. That's mm-hmm. like, right, like the, yes, the pr- getting present to what you're feeling, what one is feeling helps, but the loop continues and it has to be processed much like trauma. And so what are some of the ways to process those loops? And Yeah, that, well, that's a great question. Um, so some of the ways, I mean, I think the best way is to get into some serious therapy. Yeah. I I Um, love therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so complimentary to coaching too. It really is. Right. Like, cause 'cause as coaches, there's, I mean, there's certain things we probably could handle, but if it dips into something unexpectedly, that really should be held by somebody, but they're so complimentary. Okay. So serious therapy. Yeah. Yeah, And by the way, not every therapist is equipped for trauma. (laughs) Right. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And um, I want to, I want to, I really want to stress that because yeah. just going to therapy is not, going to therapy is a 
big step for many people. Mm-hmm. Going to someone who is trauma trained, more trauma than skilled. trauma, trauma <laughs> skilled, like an actual practitioner, yeah. not just trauma informed. In other words, right. I have I have training however mm-hmm. I will always say that I'm a trauma informed mm-hmm. coach because mm-hmm. I am not the person who is here to unpack mm-hmm. your trauma and help you to heal quote unquote heal those mm-hmm. parts of you mm-hmm. I'm here to be with a man I can go to your darkest deepest yeah. shit holiest you places um to acknowledge that those things happened mm-hmm. and we keep them in the work, but we're, I'm, I'm going to send you to somebody else if right. it's unpacking one. Okay. So one, a trauma, like trauma specialized yeah. therapist. Um, also a, I mean, quite frankly, I think a, practice that probably this person might come up with would be something like EMDR, which is Mm -hmm. um, eye movement desensitization response, I think is the Mm -hmm. R. Um, And it basically, for those who don't know about EMDR, it's fucking cool because the, when trauma gets stored in the back of your brain, in your limbic brain, your little reptile brain and EMDR fires your right and your left brain, which we don't do very often, mm-hmm. have them firing together. Mm-hmm. And the firing of them together helps to bring that trauma that's stuck in an unprocessed place forward in order to be processed. Now, you've got to do some talking mm-hmm. and some um, creation around that, but it's the EMDR that helps to make that um, helps to bring that forward in a safe, uh, non gas lady, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, beautifully held way mm-hmm. with the right person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's the therapy part. That's the therapy part. What's the KGB work yeah. like with your clients? Yeah. So the KGB work is one. Um, KGB is Karen Goldfinger Baker. Yes, who I'm talking issue. to, who we're talking to. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the KGB part of that is, um, I do a couple of things. One is acknowledge what I'm seeing, call it out yeah. in a way that's loving and direct at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and create the, the say there had to have been a safe place to do that. So something that's, so important to me is creating a safe space to do any of this work. Um, Bringing it forward. And a lot of the work actually at that point slows down Mm -hmm. because my people don't really want to notice anything. Yeah. Right. They want to notice that um, every time they think about payroll, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say payroll, but, they're they're beyond that, but whatever, whatever it is, what whatever yeah. their thing is, like makes them nearly shit their pants, right? They don't want to think about that these these voices that tell them that that 
that they are unworthy, mm-hmm. unlovable, mm-hmm. unwanted. Um, they don't want, they don't want to look there like who does. So right. a lot of the work is now slowing down yeah. and noticing in your body where you feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So attuning to it. Attuning I, yeah. to it yeah. I'm going to go back to that validation piece. One of the things I'm just noticing, right. And then I wrote gaslighting because so much of toxic culture, toxic capitalism, toxic, um, patriarchy is gaslighting. And, and the other thing I noticed too is, I don't know about you, Karen, but I grew up and there was like the after school special with abuse, mm-hmm. right? And abuse was like, my dad is drunk and beating me and my mom's on meth. And it wasn't the subtle, acceptable, right? And, and so we have, I have, I guess I speak for like, my experience, like I have these experiences that don't really feel good, but I'm consenting to them because go along to get along. And then I start gaslighting myself and then you bring it up and you're like, this isn't, you know, you try to present something and then your boss, you know, you're afraid of losing your job or when you are the boss, you're afraid of um, some people, right? Like you're responsible for everybody in your company. If this company fails, all these people's jobs and their families and their insurance and every like, there's a lot. And so the validation piece, we go so fast to even mm-hmm. recognize, hey, that was an impact on you, even though nobody beat you with a belt. That thought running through your head and that mental war keeping you up at night, literally, has a physical impact. Mm-hmm. It's traumatic. PTSD, like PTSD can be mental. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm obviously not a clinician, but safe yeah. space and slow down. We do that in IFS too. Like the fastest way to release is to slow down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Something we talk about. I'm sorry. I, I no, could keep going. I just was just, that you had a thought. I actually was just slowing down to not think for a moment. Oh, nice. Okay. Create some space. Right. Like, yeah. Cause okay. right. Cause this is what people do. I might, in my, this is my experience. All these, you know, if you're a risk taker and starting up a company, <laughs> you're a risk taker, right? There's a certain, there's certain overlapping mindset, certain things in common. Like we are willing to take a, a risk. Our brains do work really fast. Our mm-hmm. brains do see three and four and five and six and 27 levels deep. And we're constantly solving problems. And right in IFS, we have a protective system. And so there's always going to be protectors. And now I'm learning that like all of our coping mechanisms, right? Those are our protective systems. Yes. And they serve, that serves our success. All the things that help me achieve and create and do, they're not harmful, but they're outdated now. <laughs> and right. so, right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's just like just slowing down and letting everybody be in the room. I was at a that's retreat right. earlier this year, and um, I meant to do it at camp, but I didn't. But one of the most valuable things that this person, they brought somebody in and they were going to start whatever their workshop was. And the two of them just sat there in the chairs with all of us for about 20 minutes, not saying a word. Mm. And it was, they never explained what that was. 
it never explained what it was, but I was like, oh, this is an exercise. And um, because so much learning from just sitting, not knowing in a room with 40 people mm-hmm. and not knowing what the leaders were doing. And so just that's, and what I love that they didn't, like, I love that they didn't explain it. Like sometimes yeah. what if we just take space together and we don't ex- explain what if we just be in our bodies together squirming together yeah i what i love about that is the trust that's probably why i didn't do it at camp like my brain was like i had i had intended to do it at camp and um but i also was so excited about all the other things because i'm a thinker and i love content and i love teaching and sharing and all that too so um so validation safe space Safe space. Getting these people to slow down and acclimate. Yeah. These and people, then these gorgeous humans. Yeah. These gorgeous humans. And practicing. I'm sorry if you can hear my you can hear my iPad going. Um sorry, I had to get rid of that call. Okay. So um yeah, and then there's the practicing. Like when you're when in an a moment, an actual moment with your board with your advisors mm-hmm. fundraising mm-hmm. noticing what's happening in your body noticing the the right like my stomach feels like a washing machine my breath is quickening i notice mm-hmm. i'm taking shallow breaths one of the most simple things we do um i happen to work with a lot of men um mm-hmm. and I I don't I don't even think this is a gender thing. It just this is my these are the people I'm studying, right? Mm-hmm. Um and supporting. Um so the I go to a very simple practice for noticing and that is to put your left hand on your abdomen and the right hand on your heart. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily look weird. Right. If you're in, it just doesn't look weird. It could just look like resting. Yep. Um, But it is a great cue for them and that they don't feel weird doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that women would feel less or more weird. I don't know. It's just like I work with men. Um, And so uh, what the reports that I come back is, oh, I was able to slow myself down. I was able to get present. Mm -hmm. I was able to be in the moment and quiet the, the parts of me that were screaming for attention, telling me I'm a piece of shit. I'm a liar. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. Whatever those voices were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we work, we, we really focus on is not cutting out those parts that Mm -hmm. are, that want to, quote unquote, bring you down mm-hmm. because they don't want to bring you down. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to protect you. They're, they they're, want to protect you. Yeah. Right. Right. So like this is part of the conversation around leadership trauma and probably a million other things that fear and love are best friends. Yeah. Fear and love are co-creators, their partners, their dance partners, they have the exact same energy, mm-hmm. fear and love. 
right? Like think about, this is the example that I use for my people to make it very simple. Cause they're like, what do you mean fear and love are the same? I hate fear. I love love. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so when you're in a car and you're little and your mom puts a seatbelt on you, right? Typically like she's over you and there's whether or not she kisses you or hugs you, there is that closeness. Mm-hmm. Her fear is that you're going to go flying through the windshield. Mm-hmm. It looks like love, right? It looks like love. Yeah, so it's, it's loving. It's yeah. a loving move that is based on fear. Right. I just wrote a post about it and nobody like wanted anything to do with it because I, um, and I don't normally pay attention to a lot of engagement, but I just happened to notice like crickets. And I was like, is it just me? But I had said like, perfect love does not cast out fear. And in a lot of religious communities and even in the spiritual coaching community, oh, I want to be love. And I'm like, we, fear is not our enemy. It's been demonized. And, you know, I think perfect love says, hello, fear, come closer. What do you need me to know? And that fear is a biological, like there's a biological helpful component. We don't need to cast out fear. And and so you're speaking to this, there's so many uncomfortable, I call it uncomfortable feelings that we've been taught not to feel. And so we try to push them away. And then we're laying up in bed worrying and going, stop worrying, stop worrying, stop worrying. Instead of saying, hello, worry, I see you. What is it you need me to know? Because we don't know how to do it. And so it does, look, I'm like, it does create that drama in the back of the brain. Right, Um, right. We're taught, be fearless, fuck fear, right? Like they're the actual movements. Yeah. Right. And and but like, then I'm like, oh, I see the capitalism that is like they're asking you to do something that's actually impossible so that you'll keep paying them to learn to do something that's impossible. That's right. Here we go. Yep. Yeah. Right. There like, it is. Well, right. It, it's the same thing, whether it's religion, whether it's politics, whether it's crappy capitalism. Listen, I love making money. I love uh, conscious capitalism, but I am really starting to see the systems of promising it impossible solutions you know in in the business world i call it wearing the pantyhose and the shoulder pads right mm. like the suit instead of just the, the the transparency of of i am a leader and i'm a human with a vast array of experiences i remember one time early on i'd shared something on facebook and when i left my corporate company i had a year long like non compete or whatever illegal in my state, but Mm -hmm. I had it anyways. And so Facebook was there. It was great for like, that's one of the ways I got started on social media because everybody I knew in my town worked for my company. And I remember saying something about struggling with depression and I had a very conscious way that when I would share something difficult, I would always share it from, and here's what I'm doing to support myself so that it wouldn't come across as at the time I would think of it as victimy. Now I don't experience that at all. And I had a client was like, I can't work with a coach who struggles with depression. And I have had another client that was like, I can't work at a co- with a coach who has spats with her husband. And I was like, good luck with that. <laughs> then you better work with a single person or a celibate. Um, and uh, I was very young and still traumatized, rejection sensitive anyways. No, listen, 
rejection sensitive is still being worked on 15 years yeah. later. But right. And I had this conversation and I just, I remember sharing with her and this was not common in the world. I said, listen, I don't know about you. I get it. It must be scary because you're so used to seeing all this perfection, but have you ever been behind the scenes of an organization? And I loved what I saw on stage at my organization. Those conferences were so fucking fun. They feel good. And, and then behind the scenes was absolute, utter toxic abuse. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. That, that, that doesn't, it's interesting because in my old company, I won't mention it, but there's some lawsuits now years later that are finally coming and because somebody had the balls and the cash, right? Because if you're an individual, you may not have the cash to sue a corporation. You just mm-hmm. walk and run. And so there's a little bit of vindication in that. But, you know, most of the lay, I don't want to call it lay people. I don't know. Unless you're behind the scenes, you don't see that. And then right. there's the cognitive dissonance of so many people are so happy and love this. And then behind the scenes, this other stuff is going on. And so early on, I decided like, we got to figure out a way to say I'm a leader and I stay up at night worrying and I'm working with Karen Goldfinger Baker to just be present with those worries instead of let them beat the absolute shit out of me. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, I'm sensitive to it this week because I see so many of us need it, and I, I talk with so many, like worldly successful women. I don't work a whole lot in the corporate world anymore, cuss too much for them. Although it seems to work fine for you. Um, God, we're tired. And we're tired of the, um, I have a friend who calls it, the audio doesn't match the video. <laughs> that might yeah. have come from my old company. I don't know. But yeah. right, like the, the audio doesn't match the video and that is exhausting. And then that creates another stress too, because you're, you're holding a mask as a leader. So do you right. people, do you people struggling more with this future Leadership so, trauma or with past leadership yeah. so, trauma? Okay, here's the secret uh-huh. to, this is the flimsiness of the leadership trauma uh, theory that I have, hypothesis mm-hmm. that I have, and maybe it's not flimsy at all, but it occurs to me that that loop and, and that landing in the body mm-hmm is there because it is awakening past trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not its own isolated thing that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Like letting down self, family, clients, employees. It didn't happen yet, but that's actually not the origin, let's say. Exactly. Yeah. It's right. the, it's, it's awakening past trauma. So that's the, fl- right. That when I said I'm kind of flimsy, goes both ways. However, I still believe that the future thing, um, is there and it, it is there awakening the past trauma. In IFS, I say, you know, when the more I've learned to listen to these fears and, and when I am spending time just in self-witnessing them, I have found that every single fear is actually very legitimate. Mm -hmm. You are, and I'm able to say you're exactly right. 
this could blow up. I won't leave you. I won't reject you. And, and right. So it's not only validating, but I'm validating my fears and we've been taught not to believe them. But the fact is most of these fears could, everybody's like, worry is a wasted use of imagination. No, it's a legitimate problem solving tactic. And sometimes, right. So the other piece um, I make up the, the thinking parts, whether it's overthinking or strategic thinking, like whether it's useful, whether it's useful or frustrating, right? And to, to lay an IFS lens on it, if we have a protective thought, it, the source is not the current event. The current event activates a very old, the day it was born coping mechanism. That's right. It opens that wound. Yes. Or it at least picks at that scab. Right. Minimally. Well, and then our body. So the other thing I really want to highlight and bring forward for our audience, and I'm curious about your early experience of coaching, is the somatic and body and nervous system. I have been coaching for 18 years, and I kind of, I kind of joke, and I'm like, like, I remember them teaching me nervous system for like one paragraph in biology and health and school and one paragraph every year. But I feel like nervous system regulation should actually be one of the, like they're reading math, science, nervous system, right? Like, and as a coach, everything I learned in my early years was head, right? And so everything, what I was dis- completely disembodied. And we hear these phrases embodied and somatic. And like, you can talk about that shit all day long and still be disconnected from your physical body. Without a doubt. And yet that's where so many of our difficulties and little repeating patterns and things live is not in the thinking mind, not in the conscious mind, but in a stuck part somewhere. Right. And often that's where our answers live as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we're always, I I just did a podcast on this. I can't remember a couple of weeks ago. It was the, we say, I feel when we, mean i think I think yes 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 in solis we call that um i'm thinking my feelings <laughs> yes. i'm thinking my feelings and then i did something i'm gonna share this random thing with you you might like this too so um i have a couple of emotional literacy is another skill like most people don't know how to define what they're actually feeling mm-hmm. and then the distinguishment between perception and emotion yeah perception is just you're thinking about a situation and then the emotion actually has to do with the sensation and we're trying to put a word to it and so listen let me share my first book and then i'm going to share the other one this one called language of emotions by carla mclaren she also has one called i've got it right here too we'll link these up you might enjoy this i have not the power of emotions at work Oh, nice. I know, right? This is the first one I bought. And then I saw her other one and I felt like the other one was a primer that I wanted to go forward with. But I specifically bought this for working with people at work. 
Because a lot of my emotional stuff that would come up didn't happen in personal relationships anymore. It actually happens at work. And I was like, shouldn't I have figured this out? Why is a three-year-old having a business meeting? This is not okay. And then the second book, The Field Guide to Emotions. And this is like a little dictionary. It has etymology and it ha- it's very factual. There's no, um, <laughs> There's no like idea. It's just like a annoyance, the etymological root, what we think or say, its impact, related emotions, emotions we confuse it with. And so one of the things I've been doing with, well, I just did it once, but I was like, what emotion have you experienced quite a bit this week? And they'll check in around it. And then I'll just share some of this from them. And it led to the best conversations, especially around distinguishing. So one of them was resentment versus naivete like the, these these little overlapping right so this was a really fun one to um for for thinking people to begin to learn and understand then, then you start to feel it in your body and then you have a language connection to it too and to real um oh i mean like in the workplace I, I don't know i make up a story that this is just like oh family therapy and da 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 da, da. but like not just the strat. The strategy is easy. The strategy for all these companies is easy. And either it's already been done or the genius is there ready to develop it. What is right. needed is the emotional self-leadership and emotional leadership of our teams. That's our right. People too. How, do we, how do we care for, how do, how do we model Working through leadership trauma shows up in the front of a room. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What, what, um, in your early coaching before you started doing some of this trauma work, what's shifted since then to now? Yeah. Um, mostly me, but, um, (laughs) yeah. So I, uh, in my early work, I, I had this way of being that was badass. And so, and my clients are, they remain the same level of badassery. Um, however, I had this bullshit theory that I had to be like super direct and say the things that nobody else would say and win the award for like, boldest ever ever i'm gonna call you on your shit i'm gonna call you on your shit and god that was having been on the other side of that and seeking out coaches who are somewhat somewhat similar maybe in a different way but same effect god that was just so damaging and so triggering and also i it supported, I mean, there's a reason why I have a podcast called the Trauma Hiders Club. Yeah. It supported me as a hider. Yeah. Yeah. And having done lots of work, including trauma and somatics, but there's like just a softening, loving, starting with self-compassion, leading to compassion for my people. And yet they get 
the fire, this fire is all there on both sides, right? On me and in them. But the and fire can now come from creative, I call it right. generative creativity instead of performance. And performance yeah. is exhaustive. Oh. It's protective. And when we meet ourselves and others with softness, and I really, I'm with you, like I, I clearly I got up and I got excited because some of the strongest hardcore leaders, men and women and non-binary, everybody needs softness. Yes. Nobody taught us how to be soft with ourselves. And we have a part that says, if you're soft, you're just going to sit on the couch and eat bonbons and gain 700 pounds and melt into the leather. No, we won't. The softness and that slowing down and that acclimation. And this is what I love. Look, you don't even know that you're doing IFS, right? So if we start, and this is my order. This is not, these are the eight C's of IFS. This is my order. But when we're calm and connected and compassionate, and we acclimate to that. Then we get curious with our parts, our fears, our stresses, our traumas, our anxieties. And as we hold that space, the internal system naturally shifts to confident, creative, clear, and courageous. And those are the things we need to have from that creative generative space instead of a, I can perform confidence. I did the same thing as a coach. I performed confidence, which is very different. That's right. From being confident. I can perform creative. I can perform clear. I can perform creative. But these things are starting to live in me because I did what you're doing with your clients and I'm doing with my clients in our way. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you is because um, personal life gets so much of the trauma-informed world. And there are absolutely skills that we can have as a coach without doing therapy to help our clients be with and build muscle or taking care of some of the problems that we've all had our whole life and no coach and no, you know, like... God, how much money and time and classes and meditation and jogging and Peloton. And really all we needed to do is say, there, there, fear, I see you. What do you need me to know? And I used to say not believe the fear, but now I'm like, oh, no, the fears are always right. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean we're going to behave that way, <laughs> but they're That's valid. Right. That's right. They're all on the trip. Right. Um, what do you envision for you and your clients and the spaces you're working in? And I'm not, I don't know, like, this feels so, feels so new in this world. Not brand new, but like, mm-hmm. what is, and I mean vision with a softness, like the essence, not the, I'm going to create 6 million people that have tender hearts and have, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like. Uh, what is the essence unfolding of this look like for these business people, clients, executive leadership? What what's your what is the mist coming out of your eyeballs and heart? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Oh God! It like it. I wish I had a better way to say this, but what <laughs> came to me was like a culture of kindness. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason why I shit on myself for saying culture of kindness is because I hear culture of kindness in organizations all over the place, and the last thing they are is kind. Right. 
So um, the integrity, the embodiment, the understanding from a feeling, from a feeling of what is kind, what is kindness, not mm-hmm. just the word. How mm-hmm. does kindness feel? What if we have a kindness of culture? What would we see? What would we experience versus this stupid fucking blanket statement? Culture of kindness. Yeah. So yeah. I want. The, the steam that the, yes, the vapor, the mist, that's the word you had, mist. <laughs> comes I just describe shit that's in my brain and try to yeah. put a word to it. But also, um, I actually had my first pancake since the, before the pandemic. And I think I am having like a carb overload or something. Um, uh, the mist is, um, Actual, like, feeling include, feeling the emotional side of decision making Mm. and policy making. And Mm -hmm. yeah, just like the, the kindness first. Yeah. And my old company. And I'm sure at many companies, right, where you say culture of kindness. We had certain phrases, right, that are a part of the literal culture of this organization. And I realized how gaslighting they were and how they're actually used to manipulate people for all different reasons. Still, someone was sharing something. I was like, oh, I know where they were taught that. And I was talking to my brother one time who at the time was working on a development in Tulum. And he'd been working there for like 15 years. And when he lived there, he lived in the janky ass apartment in the Pueblo. It was gross. Um, but he always showed these pretty pictures. This is in the early days of Instagram. And I was like, Cam, I see you the post your the pictures you're posting and I know where you live. And he goes, it's marketing baby. Mm. And it hit me because I, I was naive, right? Like I, I do. I see the glass half full kind of person. And I was like, oh my God, my company doesn't mean culture of kindness, whatever the phrase is, any more than Diet Coke, than polar bears drink Diet Coke at Christmas. But what could it have been like if the company culture is not a marketing slogan? If it actually is, it's, it actually is, and you said it, embodied. Mm-hmm. integrated yeah integrated very um but embodied is like i see this on the like everybody's a being coach i'm gonna coach your being i'm gonna coach your being and they're like i be this it's like dude you're doing ain't aligned with your statement right you can statement that shit all day long but it is empty with your behavior and so the behavior yeah matches i'm i'm that way too karen i um I have a lot of care and sadness. I have a lot of young parts that are very sad. I have a lot of adult parts that are very sad about um, politics. Mm-hmm. And in my brain is like, we can handle 
economic problems, but we cannot handle human humanitarian problems. Like we cannot, we can't, we can recover from, I would rather pay $50, $50 a gallon of gas. I mean, it would be a fucking problem for a lot of people, but I'd rather solve that problem than, than have to solve the, the problems of humans being so horrible to each other yeah. as a way of being. And um, I recently realized when I get tired in that, because yelling on Twitter doesn't help, but I, I backtracked and realized this work that we're doing, helping human beings literally be kind, still strong and clear and courageous and decisive and smart and risky, but kind in their whole being and body and kind by receiving fear and receiving worry and holding stress with compassion is actually my way of being a revolutionary in your way. I I mean, you may not be interested in politics like I am, but I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, keep having these conversations because if one person can can start to see all these parts for what they are instead of pushing them away, then they won't have to perform their meanness. Mm-hmm. And I know whenever I'm unkind, it's because something inside of me is begging for my kindness. And it's just That's easier right. to, to exit out on somebody else. Right. Um, thank you for spending Saturday morning with me and talking Absolutely. about leadership trauma i love this hypothesis and the both and and the the willingness to experiment and i can't wait to see how this develops for you um any final words Hmm. um what's coming up for me is the the beauty and joy of slowing down Mm -hmm. and there's a lot happening whether people are paying attention to it or not um there is that undercurrent of incredible tension in this country and yeah um it's it is not a typical practice for me to slow anything down right i'm working Um, on it too (laughs) yeah and it's um I guess I just want to put out into the world. I'm trying it and my invitation to anyone listening or reading a transcript of this show is to try it mm-hmm. and then fuck it up and then try it again. Yeah, <laughs> it will be, I call it brackish water. Like yes, it will be itchy. <laughs> it won't be clear. Cause when you start doing it, you, you, it's like tuning a piano, right? Like yeah. it's, Oh, it's going to go through some awkward or guitar and then it's going to stretch back. Right. So there is, some acclimation and some soreness and right. There's some soreness in doing it, but you can re you can reset your inter. I call it my internal metronome mm, and the it. world still moves fast, but the slower I go, the more things work, which is yeah. actually really efficient. Fast isn't efficient. Slow right. is absolutely efficient but we've been trained to go fast so that we don't pay attention and if we don't pay attention we'll buy more shit we don't need that's right that's right my yes my people and me are the i mean one of the very companies i work with go fast and break things um (laughs) (laughs) you people know who you are um (laughs) 
that's their line. And right. And for me, the run fast and break things is the thing that most got broken is me. Yeah. So, um, sitting still and breathing helps me to break things later that are meant to be broken. Yeah. That's it. I love and appreciate you. And I'm just glad we've gotten to spend time. And I was, I told you the other day, but I just was so honored to have you come to camp cultivate and just jump in. Um, Loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, Karen Goldfinger Baker is her website, right? And then you also have the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. She has a trauma club membership. Um, You can reach out to her on her website. Um, We'll look up all your social media stuff and put it on our show notes and um, just love and appreciate you and the work you're doing in the world with your people. And I love how it, we're building a tapestry of something softer and kinder and also really effective. Like we don't have to lose the sharp, beautiful effectiveness to body at war. Hooray. Go us. Thanks. Go us. Go us. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and want to dive deeper, come check out the Soli Self-Leadership Society. It's my online coaching membership community, a networking community, a place to belong, and a place where you can be coached by me in life and business. We dive deep into the practices of both being and doing that help us create our unique version of soulful success. It's a special community of small business owners just like you, and it's where I show up and give my clients personal support at an accessible fee. Check it out at www.coachwithallison.com. As always, thanks for listening. And I want to give a special shout out to Elise Rich from Wide Awake Recordings for her sound production each week on my episodes, especially the car episodes, and for her music composition for my intro and outro. This show is sponsored by my three dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adopting when you get your next pet. More is not better. Better is better. 